This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by John Perrine. Amen. You may be seated. For any who don't know you, my name is, who don't know me, my name is John Perrine. Uh, I'm the second of two church planting residents here at Church of the Resurrection, and I've been working with the college ministry this last year and a half. Uh, Just as a forewarning, due to a printing kerfuffle, the title in your bulletin is of no use this morning, so feel free to ignore it. Uh, To begin, this is a great Sunday to reflect on those of us who maybe, due to any circumstances, missed something last week with Holy Week at Resurrection. Uh, That sense that maybe we missed out, we weren't able to come to a service, or we came to a service and didn't really have the experience we were hoping for. Uh, One story in my life of missing out on something happened two years ago when my wife's family, who are from Ireland, were coming to visit. And so as kind of a special treat, they got tickets to go see the Bulls, and uh, I was really excited about this. I loved the Bulls growing up, and so we were sitting through this game, and unfortunately, the Bulls were not doing well. They were down by about 12 with three minutes left, and I could start to see my in-laws getting a little bit antsy, and my wife knew. She felt them getting antsy, and so the three of them next to me all kind of look, nod the head, and they all stand up and say, we should, let's go. Like, we don't want to hit traffic. We don't want to have the crowds. Let's just sneak out of here. So we get up, and as we go to leave, get into a cab, the unthinkable begins to happen. The cabbie is listening to the radio of the Bulls game, and as we sit down in this cab, the announcer comes on, you won't believe it. The Bulls have been on a run. They're down by five with 30 seconds left, and we're sitting in this cab outside of the United Center as we hear him say, oh, the Bulls hit a three. They're down by two. It's 15 seconds left. The Bulls have won. They're going to be talking about this game all year. And as almost to add insult to injury, my wife's father looks at me and says, does this happen often? (laughs) No, no, it really doesn't. It really, really doesn't. You ever have that feeling of missing out? Like you weren't there to see that thing that everyone's talking about. Maybe it happens when a friend is talking to you about a restaurant, right? It's the new restaurant, and they're talking about it, and they ask that question, have you seen it? Have you gone? You say, no, no, I mean, I haven't been. Or maybe it's a movie, right? (laughs) This weekend, Avengers comes out, and whether you want to see it or you don't want to see it, everyone is asking, did you see it? Have you seen it? He says, no, no, I haven't seen it. This morning, the week after Easter, It's like the church in her wisdom, as she's putting together the lectionary, knew that there would be those of us who felt like we had missed out, who felt like if we could have just been there, if we could have just seen it, then maybe, maybe we would believe. So if you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19, it's page 906 if you have one of our Bibles. I want to sit with our gospel passage today and wrestle with this question. What do we do if we feel like we're missing out? If we feel like we just wish we could see, whatever it is. John is going to begin this story by telling us what it is we missed. He's going to give us the scene that happens on the first Easter, on Resurrection Day. Reading on verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, when you really slow down and look at what's happening here, there are four marks of Jesus showing up that John wants us to pay attention to. The first is Jesus' presence, right? Jesus comes and he stands among them. He's with them. Resurrection Sunday, Jesus is with his gathered disciples. The next is Jesus's peace. He says it, right? Peace be with you. And then again, peace. Third is Jesus's purpose. Jesus is going to say, as the Father has sent me, so now my disciples, I am sending you. And then finally, it's Jesus's power. As we are sent out into the world, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathes on them. Now, as someone who has perhaps come to church before, you should start, be getting, you should start feeling a little bit of a tingling, like something is familiar here, right? It's like John is wanting us to know, resurrection day, Jesus comes to his gathered disciples, and he's present to them. Well, well we have the presence of Jesus here through his word, through his table. Jesus offers his peace. I mean, in just a few minutes, we're going to stand up and we're going to look at each other and say, peace be with you, just like Jesus did to his disciples. Jesus is going to send them with his purpose. Every Sunday, as we prepare to leave, a deacon stands up and says, go forth into the world in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Spirit, right? And there's that power, the power that fills us as we pray at the table, Lord, sanctify us with your Spirit. It's like John is wanting to get our attention that every Sunday when we gather with our liturgy is a resurrection day. Every Sunday when we gather, it's as if we are there with Jesus on Easter Sunday. But there is a problem. There's a problem. Immediately, John tells us the problem. Someone missed it. Someone didn't get a chance to see Jesus when he was there with his gathered people. Look with me at verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Can you imagine missing it? Can you imagine all these years you've been walking with Jesus, right? You've been following him, not just following him, you're one of his twelve you're in the inner circle. You, you're with Jesus at meals as you sit and discuss what happened during the day. You're sleeping with Jesus on the roadsides, in the fields. You're there when Jesus is taken. You witness the torture, the crucifixion. You go through all of this with Jesus, and then you miss it when he returns to the other disciples. I, as a child growing up, uh, had this strange family custom we would do every year. Around St. Patrick's Day, normally on St. Patrick's Day, my family would gather us children and tell us that the leprechaun was going to visit our house. 
I do not know why uh, my parents wanted us to know the leprechaun was coming. Uh, once the leprechaun had departed, he would always leave gold chocolate coins, so that was exciting. But we would inevitably go running around the house looking for signs of the leprechaun. We'd hunt for the leprechaun. Sometimes there'd be nibbled food left out on a counter. Sometimes there'd be like green drawings. Leprechaun loved green. Sometimes it'd be like green confetti strewn around. Well, as we were growing older, my sisters were invited into the heist. So my sisters began being part of setting out these clues. But the more my sisters were involved, the angrier my brother and I became because inevitably we'd be running around the house and we'd hear one of my sisters go, hey, you found something. They'd hold it up and we'd come into the room and be like, man, they found, like we missed him again. I remember one year my sister had literally drawn a green mark up her arm and said, guys, guys, come quick. And as we came running in, she said, the leprechaun was just here. He went up my arm and my brother and I were like, man, that's so cool. And we missed it. Like, you got to see that. I think for many of us, as we sit with Thomas in this moment of having missed it, I think many of us can connect with that sense. That sense like our walk with God, our journey of faith, our journey into spirituality is this sort of hunt that we go on, looking for signs of God, and we're frantically searching, and it sometimes feels like every time we show up, someone else has tasted it. Someone else has seen it. Someone else has found the clue, and we go, man, feels like I'm missing it. Feels like every time I get there, someone else has had an experience. Someone else has had a word, has had a healing. Someone else has seeing God move in their life, and I'm just always looking, and I'm never seeing. So, so what does Thomas do in response to this longing to see God? Well, let's return to John 25. The, the other disciples are going to say to him, we have seen the Lord. I just think as an aside that Thomas, that's like a low dig at this point. Like Thomas has heard the stories, and they're sort of, you know, we've seen him. He's going, man. Uh, then Thomas is going to reply, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So, so Thomas, in this longing, this desire to see God, it, it becomes a demand. I demand to see. And there's two facets to this demand. The first is that Thomas is demanding evidence, right? We all want evidence. Evidence is a very powerful thing. In fact, our whole culture, the whole project of modernity, of the Enlightenment, is built on this demand for evidence. If we can see it, then we can believe it. So for some of us, it's about the different studies, various studies that are released. And so we look to these studies to see if the most recent dieting trend is perhaps one that we should try, or maybe there's a new parenting method we should try out. For others of us, it's the economic evidence. We're, we're looking at where we should invest, how much we need to retire. We're trying to see when the next market crash is going to take place. I'm struck that currently in our culture, there has been this massive surge around political evidence, right? We were waiting and waiting and waiting for the evidence that this Mueller report was going to give us. And we're demanding to see 
for others of us, the evidence is connected to spirituality and to God. And so for those who are skeptical, who are struggling, the complaint is, I just, I just don't see it. I, I just don't see the evidence. I mean, if God is real, where, where is he? Where is he moving? Or even for those of us who do believe, we feel this great rush, this struggle to keep searching, to, to read evidence that demands a verdict, or to go back to the case for Christ and study the evidence. And as this urge, this desire to find more and more evidence starts to build, as I sit with Thomas's demand, really underneath evidence is this demand for certainty, right? We, we want evidence because it will let us know for sure. And, and so Thomas's great cry that's going to come out of him is, unless I see, I will never believe. Unless I see, I will never believe. And here is where Thomas comes grinding stuck. And here is where so many of us find ourselves stuck as well. Unless I see, I will never believe. It's like Thomas has set up a hostage negotiation with God. And here he is gripping this demand. Unless I see hands, unless I see side, I will never believe. I'll never give you, God, what it is you want, my belief. And for so many of us, this hostage situation is what happens as we start to get fixated, as we start to get rigid. God, unless I see a sign, unless I can know that you're good, unless I can understand that the scriptures are reliable, unless I can understand why my sister has cancer, unless I see, I will never believe. I wonder for you this morning if there is some unless that you feel welling up inside. There's some hostage negotiation you've been navigating with God where it feels like everyone else has this. Or if you could just get this, then finally you could know and you could believe. If that's where you are this morning, I have good news. In fact, Jesus has good news. So let's keep reading. Verse 26. Eight days later, eight days later, actually on the eighth day, Easter 2, the same Sunday we find ourselves in today, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. The first piece of good news I want to give you this morning is that sometimes, sometimes, God in his mercy will even meet your demand. I was wrestling the past few weeks with this sermon, and I, I just kept wrestling with the fact that I know, preaching-wise, what I should get up here and tell you is never make demands. Demands will never be met. I mean, why would God ever get so lowly 
as to work with us in these desperate hostage negotiations. And yet I'm struck as I sit with Thomas that Jesus shows up to him. He appears and he offers him his hands and he shows him his side. Sometimes God in his mercy will even come so low as to meet you in that great demand, that great unless that you've been holding out on. I have a friend who I've been walking with these last few years who's really struggled with his faith. Um, He's had a lot of hard things happen. He's just gotten more and more stuck. And yet this friend had this great hope, this dream of creating his own business. And so this last fall, in one of those classic unless moments, my friend says he, he cried out to God and said, if you could just give me funding for this business, like if I could just try it, God, if you could just do that for me, then I don't, I don't even know what I have to offer you, but, but, but then just please, please let me have this. And surprisingly, miraculously, within a few weeks, this investor showed up and funding started to appear and the business started to take off. Yet, interestingly for my friend and also for Thomas, when you finally get that thing that you're demanding for, you're faced with the question, was that really enough? Was that really what you were waiting for? Is that really what you wanted? And so my friend, after about nine months, just this last spring, the business actually started to collapse through a lot of different problems, Funding started to dry up. And yet, what I was surprised by as I was walking with him is rather than having his faith crumble too, my friend had this moment where he was sitting with me and he said, you know, I think, I think God was trying to get my attention. I think God was trying to show me something. Like, like I, I think that was God's mercy that I even got this shot. And as he and I were texting about Easter in a beautiful, powerful text, he said to me, you know, about five Easter's ago, I really lost my faith, but this is the first Easter where something new feels like it's growing. Thomas, as he finally sees Jesus standing before him, hands extended, side open, Thomas has no other words to say but my Lord and my God. However, Jesus has a greater invitation than even your demand to see. Jesus actually wants to pastor Thomas. He wants to disciple Thomas, and he wants to disciple you and I as well. So let's look at verse 29. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What is it that Jesus is inviting us into? Jesus wants us to know it's better to believe than it even is to see. I mean, can you imagine the freedom that could happen if you could release that demand you've been holding on to? Could you imagine the joy that would come if instead of a hostage negotiation where you have gripped around his neck some request, some sign that you're looking for, you could actually open your hands to embrace Jesus, even without a sign, even without seeing. I think that if we could believe without seeing, it would free us in seasons of suffering and 
doubt and silence, it would actually free us up. We could walk even when God isn't really there or visible or showing up the way that we want. We could just keep walking with open hands saying, God, I believe even though I can't see. Imagine if we could believe without seeing that it would mean you could embrace the stories, the profound stories you're hearing from those around you. I mean, Thomas was so stuck in his demand to see that he couldn't hear his close friends telling him, we've seen the Lord. And for you, there may be someone you're sitting next to this morning who has a story from Holy Week that if you could believe without seeing, it would let you open your heart and their story, their story of faith, their story of encountering God could become your story. You could embrace it as your own, you could hold it close to your chest, you could believe even when you don't see. I think finally, the invitation to believe and not see happens here on a Sunday morning. Uh, as we return to what the first disciples were offered, Jesus' presence, his peace, his purpose, his power, those same gifts are here for you every Sunday. Every Sunday, imagine if you, instead of demanding to see, instead of even coming forward to this table with your hands held tightly around that sign that you're looking for, imagine if you could encounter Jesus present to you in the gathering of Sunday. My prayer for you is if you're, if you're wrestling this morning, if you're holding on to something, the church wants to offer you the invitation of Jesus. The church wants to encourage you. You haven't missed out on anything. Jesus is here and he wants to offer himself to you, but he wants you to receive the freedom, the gift of his invitation, that it is better. It's a blessing for those who have not seen, but for those who have believed. May you even now as we move through our liturgy, May you open your hands and receive that blessing from Jesus that you are the very ones who are believing even without seeing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, Check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.